Hello, I'm Amanda Young. You are listening to Aberdeen's Sustainability Inspires podcast, discussing all things relating to sustainability and responsible investing. delighted today to have with me as my guest Omar Sheikh. Now Omar is the director and co-founder of the Global Ethical Finance Initiative or otherwise known as Jeffy. A chartered accountant by profession, he specializes in ethical and responsible finance, Islamic finance and private equity. He has extensive experience in financial services and has advised multiple governments and regulators on financial inclusion policy. For over 15 years, he has been a leading advocate for ethical and responsible finance. His background includes working with EY London, where he was a former head of Islamic finance. Now, Omar launched the award-winning Ethical Roundtable series in Edinburgh, a platform that led to the inception of the Ethical Finance Hub, and then ultimately Jeffy. Through his work, he has established a number of initiatives, including the Ethical Finance Summit, which is a major conference. The Finance for Nature project with UNDP, creating innovative financing structures for the SDGs and the Interfaith Edinburgh Finance Declaration. Omar is an alumni from the University of Glasgow and is a member of ICAS. He holds select board advisory roles, including those with the Prince's Trust in Scotland and supporting Glasgow museums on preserving South Asian heritage in Scotland. Now, outside of driving forward the sustainable finance agenda, Omar is of Scottish Asian heritage and as such is intrigued by the fascinating history of South Asians in Scotland, which is the largest ethnic minority in Scotland. From the role of the British Indian Army and the Regiment Force K6 who served in the Highlands of Scotland, to the global invention of chicken tikka masala in Scotland, he has explored how Scotland has been unique in its experience of integration of such minority communities and how the sense of belonging and identity is critical to what we can all achieve in life. Now, one of the things I absolutely love about Omar is how he has created a tartan out of the SDG colours, of which I am proud to say I own a little. He has also written a book, which is a collation of oral stories of elderly Scottish and South Asians, This is all absolutely fascinating. So it is a delight to welcome you today, Omar, to our podcast. Thank you very much, Amanda. Pleasure to be with you. Now, can we perhaps start with something really interesting? Um, The question of chicken tikka masala. Is it really a Scottish invention? News to me. Tell me more. Yeah, we think with our stomachs. So let's start uh, with the issue of food. Obviously, uh, yeah, it is. Um, obviously, in Scotland, we say we invented the whole world, and there's always uh, there's this lovely kind of context here. But the chap who, who did so, um, his name was Ahmed Ali uh, Aslam, and he invented this in the late 60s, early 70s uh, here in Glasgow. And remember, the curry is Britain's number one favorite kind of food. The market is worth billions of dollars, and even Bill Gates uh, put a post on uh, about him passing away just a fortnight ago. I'm also fascinated about your work into Scottish-Asian relations. Is there anything uh, here that links with your passion for ethical and sustainable finance? That's a very good question, and probably nothing, <laughs> to be very frank. Uh, but what's lovely about it, Amanda, it was I, I got involved 
uh, in this area purely out of intellectual curiosity. It's, I'm not a you know social scientist or a, a historian or an anthropologist, but when I came back from having spent ten years in London and and having worked abroad, I came back to Glasgow. And one thing I personally felt, uh, uh, Amanda, was that it's important if you've managed to do well in life or you've managed to have an opportunity, it's really important to give back to your community. So when I yeah. came back home to, to Scotland, although I still obviously travel a lot, um, but I was I was keen to see what can I support, what can I do to help my community, which I benefited from growing up uh, in, in uh, on the outskirts of, of Glasgow. So that's how I got involved with this project. And what I found uh, particularly interesting and the project was all about um, recording the stories of the very few remaining early generation of South Asian migrants, of so people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who migrated across from South Asia to, to Scotland. Uh, anything from the kind of very few were left from the, who migrated in the 30s, but really 30s, 40s, and 50s to really capture their story before we lose that uh, amazing uh, journey. Um, so that's what it was, Amanda. It was my desire to give something back. I knew this particular social project had a very clear time fuse on it. So you have to do it today because you won't be able to do yeah. it tomorrow. And uh, that's why I ended up getting heavily involved with this. And it's just been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The, the, the honor and pleasure it's been and the wisdom that you've managed to gather from listening to the stories of this unique generation of, of our grandparents and grandmothers who came across. It's just been an absolute uh, honour of my life, I would say. I think that really touches much on your career, Omar. I mean, you're, you're obviously somebody who really wants to give back to the world. Um, and you have had an illustrious career promoting sustainable investing, particularly in Scotland. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about how you actually got into this industry, given that actually you started off as a chartered accountant in EY. Well, you're definitely right. I think purpose and having a passion is what makes life worth living. So I am very much driven by that why question, what am I doing and why does that matter and how does that help? How I stumbled into this, Amanda, was fascinating. So um when I kind of started, I graduated from Glasgow University in accounting and finance. I went on to join Big Four to, to, to get my CA qualification. And this in the late 90s and early 2000, what was fascinating was there was a period where we had harm, these, these disasters, these financial disasters and corporate scandals of Parmalat, um, Enron, WorldCom, Arthur Anderson, the largest auditing firm in the world, had just yeah. collapsed. Um, there was the dot-com. I am old enough to remember that too. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And there was a dot-com and then there was a dot-bomb. Everything crashed. And all these theories we were told, everything we were told as to how audit should work and so on, was clearly not playing out in practice, in reality, in the markets. Uh, otherwise, you would not have had these, you know, seismic disasters. And by the way, I haven't even talked. We haven't even got to the global financial crisis yet. You know? <laughs> so it, it's it was he said, well. You you taught us all of this about valuations, and I'm working in an investment bank M and A team. And these anything with dot com, all of a sudden, it's got a superior valuation. You know what's what's the theory there? And you begin to speak to people who are wiser and, and more experienced than me at that time, and they 
talking about, you know, fear and greed and market fervor, et cetera, and how that really impacts valuations. And you could see that blatantly with the, with the dot-com yeah. boom in the late 90s. Now, what that did for me, Amanda, I started asking questions. Well, hold on a minute. If Arthur Anderson can collapse, if all these businesses can collapse, is our system stable? Is yeah. our system, uh, you know, fair and transparent? Um, and by default, ethical was was my simple interpretation of that. You know, does does it have uh, these components in it? So that's where I started asking questions. Um, and I, I also at that point around 2002, three got involved with Islamic finance, mm-hmm. being of Muslim faith. I didn't frankly know much about Islamic finance prior to that. And it wasn't particularly my faith that intrigued me, but it was at a time of these global collapse collapses and uh, at a time when I was reading interesting books on the tube in London, you know, uh, that, that you actually, you know, turn around and say, okay, this is interesting. Um, and back then, again, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, anything kind of, you know, ESG or ethical finance was for tree huggers, hippies, and those faithy guys, right? And it was a haircut on performance. It was completely dismissed. It was it was very much marginalized in the city at that time. Um, but then as these disasters continue to happen, the world, particularly after the global financial crisis, um, had to sit up and listen because it was clear the prevalent system was not yeah. working. I mean, clearly your passion is Scotland. You've just talked about big global issues here. Um, you live in Glasgow. You've been very keen to see Scotland playing its part in the sustainable investment landscape. Um, some people see that as small or parochial. What's your view on this? And how do you see Scotland playing its part in a global move? You can very much be in Scotland and be global. Um I have enjoyed 10 years in London, uh, had a fantastic time there, really learned a heck of a lot in the early stage of my career. I lived in Bahrain and in, in, in Dubai as well. Um, but Scotland is home. That's where I grew up. And frankly, it got to it was a point really in, in my life where when I had children, Amanda, that I wanted them to grow up in Scotland. I wanted them to be proud of their, their Scottish roots uh, as well. Um, so that was where the decision came. But more importantly, and more interestingly, when we built out Jeffy's work uh, from Scotland, when we started to do these kind of international conferences, uh, I think around 2015, seven, eight years ago, one of the things I felt was unique to the kind of ecosystem in in Scotland was that we had this space to think. We had a very interesting community. And we were not, it wasn't like London, because in London, I would go to these lectures regularly at CAS Business School or BBA or different institutes. Um, But there was a lot of noise, a lot of movement in London, whereas I I felt the space to have a more considered conversation about more holistic components, which today is very, now we're talking about profit and purpose. How do you define purpose, right? That requires some considered space. Um, and real deep reflection to navigate that. And Scotland presents one of the best places, I would say, in the globe where you have uniquely an ecosystem uh, of, of actors who have those considered thoughts, who get together as a community, who are absolute amazing FS professionals, but are able to also navigate 
uh, and contribute to the global conversation on ESG and sustainable and responsible finance. We've got things like the Library of Mistakes here. We've got the Roundtable series that you mentioned earlier that's been running since 2010. It, it really is unique. Perhaps we can move a little bit on to Jeffy. Um, you've touched a little bit in, in some of your answers. Um, now, you launched the Global Ethical Finance Initiative, which we all call Jeffy very affectionately. Um, and, you know, people have questioned the word ethical. Is that outdated? So, you know, what does that actually mean in terms of, of Jeffy? And perhaps you can also talk about your, the biggest ambitions for Jeffy and the industry. So if you had a glass ball... Um, and could wish for anything, what would it be? The first thing, whether the word is ethical, green, blue, sustainable, responsible, there is, you know, there is a evolution in narrative in the sector right now. Before it was ESG, and some say that's just yeah. risk angle only, etc. But I think the principal point that underlines, and I don't get hung up over the kind of alphabet spaghetti that we have here of acronyms in this sector. I understand it is problematic, but the underpinning point is that we're moving from a context of profit only and sh shareholder profit maximization to a broader perspective, which is to include stakeholders and to consider purpose. And to me, Amanda, that's the exact same thing which Adam Smith in Edinburgh was reconciling between his two great mentors, Hutchison and Hume, where Hume's principal position was one of self-interest and Hutchison's one of innate goodness. So what to me, that to me, I'm, I'm not too hung up on the terms, but it's actually what is the underlying movement here that we now need to consider non-financial uh, factors in our business decisions and bring the two together. Now, without compromising either, it's not an either or, obviously the, the kind of impact first or the more foundations will come first from the, 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 the purpose, you know, traditional financial services coming very much from the profit angle. But one of our good friends um, and, and board members at the, on the Global Steering Group at Jeffy, I think he really puts it well, David Pitt Watson, he's a um, you know, visiting professor at Cambridge uh, as well. And he, he always uh, puts it really well that for, for years and years, we've been you know, teaching finance like it's a science, like physics, i.e. it's devoid of any ethics. But finance is actually a human system that is ethics. And we don't need to say what the ethic is you know, um, we just need to ensure that the ethics are there on the table. And that kind of moment has, that realisation has come back, and that is in itself very radical. So your glass ball, what what would it be, um, what, you know, if you had one thing that you could wish for, what would it be? That's a great question. I, you know, things have moved so fast amanda you would have seen in the kind of responsible investing world in the last five no. years we can't we can't <laughs> keep it up you know from from the early early 2000s even 10 years ago we were just wishing people would take this agenda seriously and now some of the best brains in the world have got involved whether they have to because of compliance and regulation or whether you just can no longer be seen to be doing nothing or whatever that may be greenwashing virtue signaling or genuinely actually the ecosystem giving you the oxygen to have this conversation which previously they felt they could not um, the market is moving rapidly and it's very difficult now for me to say you know with, with a crystal ball what i would like to see because i would have just said us having this conversation you know aberdeen doing uh, a lot more sustainability would have been my ask maybe 10 15 years ago uh, so in one sense i'm very um humbled and and and, and happy 
that the market has moved on and there's trillions of dollars uh, of money managed under responsible investments. But looking forward, nonetheless, I would love to see a market, a space, and this is where I think fintech and digitalization can enable, where we have a market where every person can invest in line with their morals and their faith and their view and, and their, their principles. The and personal and views. The yeah. personal views, exactly. Every individual can deploy their capital in the way they want. So if I go to my bank and my bank is lending my money that's in deposit with them to a widget factory in, you know, wherever that is, or versus lending that money with the similar risk return or, or I opt in for that risk return. So it's my choice, yeah, um, to the local um, nursery or whatever that is. That's what I'd love to see, Amanda, an environment where everyone, every individual in society can have a stronger influence, be it through your pension or be it through your money in the bank, where you want that money to go. And a system, a system that is inherently more stable in, and inclusive and less vulnerable. Uh, and that, I guess, comes under stability to some extent. So getting rid of the market of naked short selling and all these toxic financial instruments, you want to do that, have your market, call it the Wild West, make your money, do what you want. That's your choice. But the money of the ordinary individual has to be protected uh, and has to be engaged in a market. So you're buying stocks and shares, Amanda, where, you know, GameStop scenario really proved that out recently, right? Um, you know, the, the market is manipulated. The market does suffer from these components, which are the Achilles heel. Um, and so, and, and, and one last thing on that, I would say, Amanda, by extension, that I'd love to see that when I make these words, I say them in a global perspective as well, because one of the great things about Jeff is the views we get from the global south is that everyone around the world has that option to be included and to be inclusive. So there's some, you know, uh, kind of uh, democratization and, and kind of fairness applied to this ability of certain states in the world to create money and others which can't. And COVID really proved that out, where prime ministers of countries in the global south said, I can't afford to tell everyone to sit at home and pay them. You know, the, the government can't pay them, right? So you're either going to die of hunger at home or you're going to die of COVID uh, on, on the street. So it's an extremely different scenario to what we were fortunate, very fortunate to, to have here in Britain. Okay, well, at this stage of the podcast, um, I'd like to ask my guests to inspire our listeners. So um, have you got something, a, a book, a film, event, or something that you would like to share with our listeners that has inspired you? Well, I guess two things... Um, it's not always that easy to inspire, but uh, one quote I love, uh, Shawshank Redemption, I'm sure many of you might have seen that, great movie. But there's a great quote in there, uh, a line that is, get on with living or get on with dying. I've always felt you really, you know, it, we, we're on this planet for a short period of time. Uh, we're fortunate and blessed to have, you know, the, the faculties and facilities that we have. So you should really, you know, kind of go for it and enjoy and maximize your, your time. And, and really give back something positive to your community. So, but uh, in terms of my, my favorite book that I would also encourage people to, to read, um, and there's probably a link here to what you were saying earlier, Amanda, is a lovely book called 30 Lessons for Living by Professor Carl Pillimer. And what he's done in the US is basically gone and interviewed like nearly 2,000 elderly people who are in their kind of, uh, you know, 60s, those in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on, uh, and said, you know, what advice would you give to someone in their 20s 
someone in the you know who's, who's finishing education finding a career someone maybe in the 30s is trying to build out a career a purpose uh, or, or and someone maybe in the 40s with regards to kind of family and someone in the 50s in terms of how to go you know grow old gracefully um, and that really really is a phenomenal book uh, Amanda there is so much wisdom out there or for nieces as Aristotle put um, that we so often forget. That's something that I I would say as well is, you know, get on with living or get on with dying and fairly get on with living, you know, and, and, uh, (laughs) well, as somebody coming up to a significant birthday, that's a fantastic uh, recommendation. I'll certainly take that away. Now, as we draw to the end of our podcast, I'm going to ask you for one word to answer my final question. What do you think the next big sustainability thing will be for us in the finance industry? Mm, that's really difficult, Amanda. One word. Um, maturity. Oh, I like that. Thank you so much. That Absolutely. We need, we need to get to that point of maturity. Um, Omar, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a real, real delight to have you with us and listening to everything you've been able to inspire us with. Now, thank you so much, Amanda. It's great that you and Aberdeen are doing these podcasts on Sustainability Inspires. Great work. Well done. Thanks. Now, you've been listening to the Aberdeen's podcast, Sustainability Inspires, aiming to share and inspire listeners with stories in sustainability. To all those who have taken time to tune in, many thanks for listening. You can find all of our podcasts on our website. Until our next podcast, goodbye for now. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.